Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. It's gotta be so hard to walk into a room with a stranger, give one take or maybe two takes, do the best job you can. It's hard. It's hard to reveal yourself. Welcome listeners to another episode of In the Envelope, I'm joined by your friend, your friend, listeners, Christine McKenna-Torella. Hi, Christine. How are you today? Hi, Jack. I'm lovely. It's lovely to chat to you. Lovely to chat to you. Lovely to sit in the closet and chat to you. I was going to say, in your closet. (laughs) You sound really good in the closet. Um, And listeners, the voices that you just heard are voices you... The voices that you will will be hearing on this episode of the podcast are casting directors A.V. Kaufman and Ellen Lewis. We're both... 2021 Emmy nominated for their work in TV, which we will get into in a second. Christine, actually, let me just start by asking you, Christine, you are familiar with the work of Avi Kaufman and Ellen Lewis, yes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, of course, the work they've done this year uh, with The Queen's Gambit and Mayor of Easttown, but these mm-hmm. ladies have been in the business. They've worked with the best directors in the business. They, you know, it, just Google them if you're yeah. not aware of what they've been up to. They're they're really fabulous, uh, giving, wonderful ladies uh, in this space and, and very much admired and respected um, in the casting director circles. Totally. I think actors, as always, whenever we focus on casting in any element of backstage, but especially the podcast, can get a lot out of listening to this because I really think this episode of the podcast is about peeling back, pulling back the curtain on what it is casting directors do. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what the the casting job is and what that relationship is often. Um, And so we've got, of course, I talked about this last week, some of the columns. So one of them is In the Room, which is often featuring casting directors, which is always so, so informative. And then just getting, I mean, you get into chat to these ladies about their particular projects this year and obviously their experiences. I, I think the more we chat to each other and demystify the audition yes. process, the less scary it gets. And you know that, that is what I'm all about. I'm all about totally. like figuring out ways that we can collaborate better as artists. Totally, totally. And I do think that um, one thing that I kind of took away from these interviews or from thinking about casting, casting's role in the whole ecosystem is it is a such a central role. A casting director is often the second or third person involved in a project after, you know, writer and then director. And they work with not just people on the production, like I just mentioned, they also are working with agents, managers, um, unions, figuring out logistics, especially for TV, there's a lot of logistics involved. 
Yeah, 100%. And right now, of course, with equity, there's a lot of changing, moving pieces. Mm. Uh, and we've obviously chatted about that recently, too. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I think all around the skill level of a casting director is really fascinating. And I, my first little thing that I want to share with our listeners today is that there's Avi and there's Alan. But more interestingly, or perhaps something to really kind of know more about as you are moving up in your career are their associates and their assistants and their interns because everyone uh-huh. has to start somewhere yeah. and no one wants to stay you know no one's hoping and praying they, they stay on an assistant salary forever right mm-hmm. so so you meet these people on the way up um and they want to know you and the main kind of skill set that drives a lot of the casting directors that I know that drives me in my casting career is loving being able to connect people with opportunities. Nice. And so so our database, our like mental and physical databases of, mm. of talent is what we're what is what we're up to, right? Like that's what that's why we go to work every day. So yeah. um connect with these, you know, connect professionally with um of course big casting director names, but you know, also you know, their assistants and associates are just as worthy because they're really looking at all that stuff, right? They are Such in the point. weeds, weeds. Yes. <laughs> they see more actors than the than the the people who are at the title card or the people who are Emmy nominated. Yeah. There's a team of people under them for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I do think that there are listeners, of course, the actor listeners as always are going to get a lot out of this, but there may be the, those listening who are interested in the craft of casting and how to become a casting director. Can I ask you about that? About yeah. that topic? Yeah, and I've talked about my particular path before, um, mm-hmm. so I won't go into that right this this moment, but, but there's no school for this. You know, you've got to kind of work your way up. There's internships. Um, I'm a big advocate for only paid internships, right? Like, you know, Same. hopefully, you know, people are changing all across the entertainment business. Um, but if you're going to do an internship, guys, in casting, figure out what really excites you is it commercials because you love the fast pace is it theater mm-hmm. because you're just like a theater nerd you're thespian <laughs> you that's what gets you up in the morning are you really do you really love tv and film and you want to be in la or atlanta or one of those big hubs for tv film you know think kind of really think about where you were if you could dream cast your career for five years time what that looks like and feels like for you because mm-hmm. you'll start down a track and you'll start getting those particular skills and everybody does a little bit, something a little bit different, right? Cool. I would certainly say, you know, research, do that like forward planning of, of that five-year plan. Where do I, whatever would I want to be if I was in casting? Mm. What would I, what type of shows would I want to be working on? And think about kind of trying to align yourself and applying to jobs that are internships and, and, and like freelance opportunities mm-hmm. that align with that to help build your career. Because ultimately, casting you get you get hired for your taste level i always say right like what people feel like you know and what they what they like you know the kind of shows you love and and the type of actors you would recommend for jobs that's Uh. one of the ways you get hired um and also it's who you who you've networked with and, and who you've organically on your road of your career who you've found as your tribe Amazing. So there is that sort of in the in getting in the terms of getting on this track of becoming a casting director, you're saying also the retrofit it, you can kind of retrofit it to say, well, these are the kinds of projects that I'm super excited about. Then can you go back and look, okay, well, who literally who cast them? Can I network with that person? Can I intern for that person? Like what it what was their path and how did they get involved? And can I copy that? 
That is exactly what you should do. And mm-hmm. you know that I love to tie it to Backstage. We have Call Sheet. <laughs> and you guys, you know, if yes. you have a subscription with Backstage, it's completely free. And Call Sheet is always updated. We have an amazing editor that works on it constantly. Um, and you can see every project that anyone's worked on ever, right? Yeah. And then you can figure out, you know, look them up either on their website or we also have a how they like to be submitted to area, right? So like yes. it might be an email only. It might be that they like, you know, this is more for actors, but it still applies if you're looking to try to get an internship or, yeah. you know, if you're trying to be an assistant in their office, you know, you figure out what that is. And then you're putting together a thoughtful cover letter because now more than ever, people want to know why you want to be a casting director, what moves you, what drives you, what mm. like, and of course, inclusion and diversity being at the forefront of everybody's minds. And and I think that being really thoughtful about that um, is a very important thing in casting. Amazing. And yeah, um, chances are, if you're browsing backstage and, and call sheet, that there's also an interview with that cast. You mentioned in the room, there's also probably an interview with this casting director that you admire where you can then learn about their philosophy or their approach yeah. to, to yeah. casting. We just have oodles of content. I don't know what we're going to link to in today's episode because there's too much to choose from. <laughs> the entire In the Room column, I guess. And yeah, Paul I suppose Sheet. so. Anything yeah. Elise Roth has written ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because she's so great. Well, so thank you, Christine. So here's the thing. Listeners, unfortunately, um, we have to announce. Brianna and I mentioned last week that there's a lot of changes going on at Backstage. And that is true. And they're all very exciting changes. But one sad development that we have to inform listeners of is Christine is moving on and will no longer be uh, providing the Casting Insider segments on the podcast, at least for the foreseeable future. I think it's exciting. (laughs) So this is the way I'd look at it, Jack. There's going to be some, you guys are reimagining some of the content that's being created right now because Mm -hmm. we're always reassessing what is the most valuable, you know, way that you can, if your eyes or your ears fall on something in backstage, we yes. care that you're always learning and growing. And so, um, so we're going to think about a new way of putting that uh, casting segment together, possibly. So yes. I think it's being retired for the next few weeks and maybe some other iteration might be coming back at some stage. Am I right? Exactly. I think the next couple of weeks we are, we are recalibrating, figuring out how to integrate the backstage product and the casting team into the podcast itself and kind of thinking holistically about how to inform our listeners about how backstage can do everything you just said. And hear from more casting perspectives. I'm so excited for maybe Christy and Hannah. I mean, we have an amazing team. We've already featured them a few times and um, all of, you know, these men, women, they're just so fabulous. So I'm, I'd be, I'm excited to hear. From all over the world. Other, yes, other perspectives from everywhere. Um, so I think it's going to come back bigger and better. Yeah. And I'm always welcoming. I just really want to feature other voices from backstage and just drive the point home that we have a team of experts here that know how to inform listeners, empower listeners, like these call to actions that you have provided listeners at the end of every episode for the last year have been so, so helpful, Christine. So thank you. Oh, thank you for giving me a platform to share them. I, I've loved it. I think your voice is just fabulous. So it was it was wonderful <laughs> to hear it. But also, I just have to say on behalf of the whole backstage team, and I can say this because it has come up with like literally every member of Team Podcast I've spoken to the last week, but we will miss you. Oh, thank you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> can we have you on as a guest later? Yes, I look. 
I'm just going to stay on here and you can in tell. In the closet? Yes, I'm just going to stay in the closet. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. I'm ready, ready to go. I mean, we coined the term backstage casting insider for you. So the next logical step at this point is backstage casting outsider? Maybe. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> yeah. That's the new, that's the rebranding. Yeah. That's the rebrand. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, okay. Listeners, let's go now to our interview first with Avi Kaufman, Emmy-nominated casting director of Mayor of Easttown, and then we'll hear from Ellen Lewis. And then Christine, after that, will we hear the casting notices of the week that you recommend? Yeah, I've got, I've got a few on deck that I'm really excited to share. Yay! Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for this past year of being on Teen Podcast, and best of luck going forward. Thank you, Jack. Talk soon. Hey, if you are an actor or an aspiring actor, someone at the beginning of your artistic career, and you haven't signed up for Backstage yet and you don't know how it works, I have good news for you. Backstage is offering 30 whole days completely free just for our In the Envelope listeners. If you visit backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope, you will have full access to the site where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start applying to the thousands of casting notices uploaded every single day on the world's number one casting platform. Again, we are giving listeners of this podcast 30 days completely free to try out Backstage. Go to checkout, that's backstage.com slash subscribe, and enter the code ENVELOPE. If you want to be in contention for an Emmy or for an Oscar or for a Tony or for a SAG award, do as many of the guests on this podcast have suggested and use Backstage. We are here for you. Again, free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe. Enter the code ENVELOPE. A.V. Kaufman has cast some of your favorite films and TV shows from Brokeback Mountain, The Sixth Sense, Garden State, Lincoln, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom to Billions, The Alienist, High Fidelity, and The Stand. She earned Primetime Emmy Awards for casting Damages and Succession and is now nominated again her sixth time for HBO's limited series from Brad Inglesby, Mayor of Easttown. Let's hear now from A.V. Kaufman. Avi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? So good. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, congratulations on your Emmy nomination. Uh, yeah, I'm a lucky lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really well-deserved. So this is uh, Rosie Perez and Giancarlo Esposito are two very recent actors we've featured. And they both, without prompting, without me bringing you up at all, they both said you're their favorite casting director. They said to say hello. Oh, now you're going to make me cry. Oh, my God. I don't. Oh, my God. That is that is so dear. That is very, very, very dear. Yeah. Very dear. Can you we please? We just featured Rosie. Yeah. And Can it's you just a... tell them how much that man means to me? <laughs> and and with, with great respect, I love them. Absolutely. And coincidentally, they were both in Do the Right Thing, which I then assumed, oh, A.V. must have cast Do the Right Thing. But it's like one of the only movies you have not cast. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's that's more than touching. Those are the things that 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 are the dear things in life, right? Absolutely, and it, it, it's I think it is a jumping-off point in terms of like um, 
how often are you getting involved in actors at the beginning of their career? And like, I'd love to ask you as a casting director, how often are you casting somebody in one in their first big project or maybe first ever project? And do you just know, oh, this person is a star. This is a star in the making. You know, uh, now that I've been doing this for a long time um, and, and you don't quite know at what point in your life you can trust your gut. Um, mm. And, and, and so that, that has been, uh, you know, something I've talked to myself all the time about, um, you know, and, and it's also interesting because trusting yourself is, is, is so important. And then certain directors or producers or creative teams that I feel will allow me to, you know, you could either say do your job or do what they've hired you for. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's on, on many different levels. It's, it's very tricky, but because in, in the beginning of my career and throughout my career, I see the, the people I have fought for and they've done such a good mm. job. It helps you believe in your gut. I see. Yeah. 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 It's like the proof is in the pudding. You, you, you see success and you go, I'm on the right track here. Right. Right. You, you yeah, you can Over trust time. him. Yeah. Um, and take me, we love on this podcast, of course, and you've spoken backstage many times, but um, we love hearing about the early career stuff. How did you get involved? How did you come go down the path of becoming a casting director? Oh, it's a stupid story, but the short <laughs> story, um, I came to New York. I wanted to be a dancer. Uh, okay. And realized that I wouldn't, I would only have love for, um, wouldn't okay. make a living at, hmm. and um, fell into um, advertising. I was actually um, a, in a, worked my way up to an advert, you know, the head of an advertising agency, and I got frustrated that everybody I was fighting for, you know, didn't look a certain way. And started over and started over and, and knocked on every door, couldn't get a job and did extras and did location casting and right. fought my way up again. So um, people like Jodie Foster and John Sales, you know, there are a lot of people in the beginning of my career that happened to like, trust me. So hmm. that that helped. Did working in print advertising help inform the your craft as a casting director? Uh no, but but when I did extras, so in advertising, you know, for instance, um, you know, I wanted John, I was fighting for John Goodman for like an aftake commercial. Okay. <laughs> you know, he wasn't John Goodman then, but he was John Goodman. I mean, you know, and, and Matthew <laughs> Broderick and there's all these people in, in the very beginning in my advertising days that I would fight for them to get certain roles. And then I just thought, wait a minute, I should be doing the other kind of casting. Yeah. I didn't even know, you know, um, but I will say one thing about extras is the reason I took that job, which was very hard because the hours are horrible. The money's horrible. And I had already had a very good job and I left it for this job. Uh. But, but the it's for me, I saw it as production design and I still do um, because I, a lot of, you know, it wasn't like, just give me that person, stand over there, stand over there. You know, you really have to do a backdrop of, of extras really are production design and, cool. and location casting brought the same energy. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that all then informs casting actors in lead or supporting roles down the line. Well, the first location casting was Matewan. And so I went and spoke to coal miners in West Virginia and I would come back and tell John Sayles stories and he would add the story. So, so, you know, one thing feeds on another, Wow! but it's all about finding the person. That's so interesting. Like how often are you doing that kind of research? Like firsthand going to a coal mine? I loved it. I did it for eight minutes out of I did it for many, many, many movies before I started having, you know, getting jobs where I didn't have to do location casting. Um, But I think it's one of the reasons I love also a lot of European movies that are Mm. brought to me because they tell the different, they tell different stories and you have to really dig in deep. I see. Yeah. It's so cool to, I mean, we love talking to casting directors at Backstage and we love thinking about it as a craft because it absolutely is a craft and i we on this podcast we speak to mostly actors and ask about process can i ask what is your process are there things that you do for every project as a casting director probably the same thing everybody does you know read a script (laughs) put ideas together and then and then re-look at the ideas the next day and go no none of them uh (laughs) you know and then try to dig deeper and then you realize you know you're not you, you can't make people. You have to find the people that are alive. You, you know, it's um, not like, you know, a construction set to where, you know, give me a table, can't find one, build one. Um, no, it's, it's, um, I'm sure it's the same process. I mean, I, I will say in the time of COVID, yeah. one project we're working on now, you know, you're not in the room, so you can't tweak an actor after speaking with the creative team, you know, go in that direction. So that's one thing that um, I'm sure all casting directors have thousands of similarities, but it's really interesting when you're in the room Mm -hmm. and you can kind of feel and see what someone does. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I, of course, I want I want to ask about the COVID era and like self tapes versus audition audition room etiquette. Um, but first, I wanted to touch on this idea of like of that first part of the process, the script. What is your relationship with with the script? How and also how often are you reading new scripts? I can't get my head around how busy you guys are. <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, working remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's got to be different for everybody. I, I, the, the, the group of people I have in my office have been with me for many years and we've been able, we've been working, you know, very lucky knock on wood since the beginning of the pandemic. And we've found the way to work together. So it's, it's having to pick up a phone or having to email somebody versus like in the other room, scream to them, come get me this, come mm-hmm. do that. You know, it's, it's, it's that we're, we're losing time. Ah, okay. Maybe, maybe we're, maybe it's teaching us how to um, use time better. Maybe it's teaching us how to, you know, yeah. calm a little bit, but um, the, this, the, just not being in the room is something that I really, feel the difference with a lot of the readings that come in with actors self-taping. 
But the fact of the matter is, for from actors' perspectives, it's important to remember, I think, for our listeners, that self-taping was very much a thing that they needed to master before the pandemic, right? Yes, yes. And you know what? A lot of actors prefer to say, I mean, not a mm. lot, but but I've spoken to some who, before the pandemic, um, who would prefer to self-tape because they could actually kind of mold their tape and, cool. you know, live with it. Yeah. And so what are the do's and don'ts in the, in the speaking specifically about self tapes? Are there things that make you go, Oh, well, this doesn't work. Or like, are there requirements or are there things that actors absolutely have to include? No, no. I I think, I think before, before the pandemic, when people would self tape, sometimes they'd add music or, 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 you know, chew gum or whatever. But now (laughs) I feel that people are really, just taping yeah leaving the other stuff behind mm-hmm. the costumes so the everything. the costumes the, the yeah. background the right right what is your advice in terms of a reader for a self-tape you know it's it's um in the very 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 p- beginning of the pandemic we were we were casting something with kids uh-huh. And, and it was, it was, it was funny because the kids would look at themselves and they would never actually normally look at themselves reading and you would see them making faces and, you know, oh my God, my tooth came out. And I mean, <laughs> and, and, and it was great because it, I got to know the kid. Okay. So I got to have a little personality, a real personality with an audition. How interesting. Yeah. So that, that was, that was, that was fun, but that's, that was just with kids. So is that also kind of the goal of, of having someone either in the audition room or in self tape is you want to see them perform the role and do their take on the role, but you also want a sense of who they are as a person, right? Yes. Because because that goes to your long-term relationship with that artist. Well, but it also, you know, I mean, not that we cast close to the bone, but sometimes when you kind of get to know someone a little bit, you understand how to either tweak something or you, or, or I can tell the director and the creative team, this is who I feel they are. And this is the way to work with them. I mean, getting to know, you know, it's a whole energy of getting to know. Mm-hmm. Is it sort of like human resources in that way where it's, yeah, it's- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've literally thought, okay, so if I don't get another job, then I could maybe work in human resources. <laughs> or I could go go to a school and do the, uh, what, what is the job called when you accept students, uh, you know? Oh, like work in admissions, sure. Admissions, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a combination of those two things. I also feel like it's a little bit like you're a matchmaker. <laughs> well, I have been. I've, oh. I've passed many marriages. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And a few divorces, <laughs> but um, yes. Because <laughs> it is that ineffable. It's, this is why it's so tricky to talk about casting, right? Like when collaborations, either in front of the camera or actor and writer, actor, director, it is about like that sixth sense of chemistry, right? Like, can I it ask is, what is chemistry? <laughs> it, it is. And it's also interesting because everybody has their different idea of what's pretty. So uh-huh. if I show you five women or men, you know, d- 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 that should marry X, 
you know, everybody, you know, my idea of pretty is not the same as anybody else. So it's very tricky when you're putting people together or, and it's interesting who thinks, you know, someone's attractive or not. I mean, I've had those talks forever with people. What do you mean you don't think he's pretty? What? Yeah. And all of that is true of, of acting, of performances too. Clearly. And of audience, and of course, then the audience factors in. I wanted to, I've wanted to ask this of a casting director forever. Do you pay attention to reviews or like on the tail end of the production process, how important is the quote unquote success of the project to you? Are you paying attention to that? Yes and no, not really. Kind of, maybe, you know, one of the, well, like, like with Mayor, you know, I got a call from a producer early on going, you won't believe it. This is doing so well. And then we all got, you know, really excited and happy for the project. Um, and then I've worked on things to where it's not the biggest hit and mm-hmm. I want it to be. So it's, it, you try not, I don't know, you know, what is the, I don't, I don't even know what any of that means really. Sure. Does any of that factor into like then continuing to work with that director or... Like, does the success of a project have to, have to, does that affect your ability to continue to collaborate with those people? Not, not mine, but it's happened to me to where if a project doesn't do well, I've had directors change the team entirely, uh-huh. you know, so whatever, whatever that stems from. And I guess that's just the nature of Hollywood. Yeah. I got to ask about Mayor, but, but first, like, to get us into talking about Mayor of Easttown, how does casting for quote unquote, the world of a project work and looking for talent that fits like a tone? I also kind of want to ask about ensembles because in my mind, every project is an ensemble. Is that safe to say that everything you cast is considered an ensemble and you have to think about these actors dynamics between each other? Yes and no. Um, I'm working on something now that's like a, uh, that'll shoot in 2022. That's a two-hander. Okay. So, so, you know, that in a way that's an ensemble because, you know, but um, Mm. in reading the script, you know, so often after I read a script and I see a movie, it's, is it the movie that I read? Not always. Mm. You know, because the way that that it's cut or directed is, you know, it's taken a, you know, a a roundabout turn or something that wakes me up. Um, I I love getting into the worlds. I it's it's almost I'm I'm going to say it's almost like traveling, but it's really not. Mm. But it's like you know, if you know you're going to Greece, and then. All of a sudden, all the language is different and, and, you know, everything you're looking at is different. The food's different. So that's kind of when I when I read these scripts, I walk into a new journey um, and I cut myself off and try to live in that journey. I, I don't cast it as I'm going because then I'm going to live with that person. And mm. if you don't get that person, my vision's knocked off. Yeah. So I've, I've got to figure out how to just read it and get and find my self inside of that world. That's so cool. And, and so I'm not from Pennsylvania. You know, I'm 
I've never lived in, I've never lived in a town like this. Uh, I, I don't even know people that I'm sure I do, but I don't know them well that grew up in a town like this. Mm. Um, but it's that whole gut. I just, I, I needed to follow, you know, Kate came with it, yeah. but I, but I needed to follow the, the whole line and history and backdrop of who in the world would she be married to? Who would her daughter be? Mm-hmm. Who is she sharing this world with? You, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you just go into your head and just create it. That's so cool. So that's what you're doing with the script is you're, you're almost imagining yourself living alongside these characters. I, I never in my life thought that I would ever bring up Gene Smart to play Kate Winslet's mother. I mean, I didn't think if someone had no. said to me, would you ever see that? I would say, I, I, I don't think so. I think um, I said the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, it was like, I'm sure she was the first one that I just went, oh my God, <laughs> we, because she's, you know, she had all the other elements and she had, she was able to bring such dry humor into, into complex situations tricky, tricky situations that we needed to smile. Yeah. Give us a yeah. break. It's also the thing about um, it's casting a murder mystery, right? Like you, it's a small town and it's a murder mystery. So it's a cast that has to cohere. They have to all seem like they are from the same place and have the same shared history. But are you also thinking about like the, the plot and, and misdirecting the audience with the, with the mystery? In terms no, of no, no. The hardest thing is, falling in love with certain people and being worried I can't close a deal. Yeah. <laughs> the logistics. No, yeah. it's like even, you know, Kaylee, the young girl who dies in the very beginning, I was like, Oh, we can't lose her. We can't, you know, you fall in love and you can't lose that actor. That, that, that's a stressful part of the experience. Sure. Cause it must happen all the time that it just falls. Oh through. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's a great cast. Um, it's it talk about cohering. I mean, it's more than just the accents. The accent is something that unites them all, but there is like a look or a feel and almost a documentary like feel of this small town. So I think in that way, it was very successful. Um, can I ask too about the state of casting today overall? How has the conversation changed, especially since the beginning of your career to, there just seems to be a lot of conversations around, you know, diverse representation on camera more inclusion and opportunity for all over Hollywood in general. Is this a, is this a trend? Like how has, how has the conversation around that changed since, since you began? Exactly how it's changed in the world. Mm -hmm. It's just been, you know, it just goes hand in hand with what's going on with politics and with, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it does. I mean, it's, it's changed because, hello, <laughs> you know, we've got to wake up to it. Yeah. But um, I, hope, I hope we keep doing it in an honest fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, even something I cast a couple of years ago, uh, the daughter was supposed to have, um, maybe it was MS, it, it was something physical. And, and I really wanted to see if there was a a child out there that was a child actor that had this physical ailment. Mm -hmm. So, and it meant a lot because I did find a a little girl. Um, 
that has nothing, you know, usually you think if, if it's, you know, people put this with diversity, they don't put it with, uh, they, they use it with that more than they use it with just your everyday life and trying to incorporate everybody, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. If we stay honest, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. In reflecting the actual world as much as possible on the screen. That exactly. Is the yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much, Amy. This is great. Um, we have to ask, of course, the, the backstage questions that I'm sure you are asked all the time, maybe from actors. Um, you know, the basics of like, how do they stand out? What is your advice for how somebody can be remembered in an audition room? I think it's really worth reminding actors that they are auditioning for that role, but also roles down the line, right? You know, everything they already know, you know, more than that, I, I want them to know that I'm, it's got to be so hard to walk into a room with a stranger, give one take or maybe two takes, do the best job you can. And I mean, it's like, you know, I'm auditioning for you right now. I mean, I'm auditioning for an actor right now. Mm. It's hard. It's mm. hard to reveal yourself. You know, I, I would be better if I could have, you know, had had something scripted. <laughs> but, um, but you know, know your material, do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And um, good luck. That's great. No, and it sounds too like, I like talking to casting directors to reveal that they are empathetic and really considerate of what the actor goes through, like you just said. Like, are there misperceptions? Are there things that you wish more actors knew about your job? No, I mean, like sometimes some some of these Zoom auditions that I'm on, you know, I wish I could be like secretly writing to the actor to go like, no, don't do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, everybody's not everybody's. I don't mean everyone's paranoid, but every, every you know, things aren't easy. Yeah, and so um, everyone has their own priority. You know, do I need to walk in a room and impress you? or just do the best thing I can, or, you know, I bet, I bet there's a lot on people's minds, you know, and then you walk mm-hmm. out and you wish you had done something else. Or I just don't want people really walking out, regretting something. And right. and sometimes if they say, can I do it again? And I have a room full of people, I kind of say, okay, even though I don't want to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't really have advice. Um, Acting is a really hard job. <laughs> yeah. To be a I mean, good that actor. right there, that is advice. That is really good to hear. It's really hard yeah. to be good. Yeah. So that's why you're saying do your homework, get the, you know, prepare, prepare for that audition because that's what's going to maximize the odds of success. Of it course. is. Know what you're saying. Believe it. Yeah. Cool. We can see through it yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're a doll thank you so much amy this is great we also we one last question we ask everyone you know for a favorite performance or a performance that they think actors should study do you have like a favorite film or tv show that you've watched recently or a performance that really stands out yes but i'm not gonna say okay <laughs> i know casting I, I don't are feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i don't feel comfortable but i did i did i did see something recently 
from an actor. And it was kind of fabulous because I finished the, the short series and just thought, you know what? I didn't think they had that in them. Cool. So that's, that's exciting. Don't, don't shut off anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Stay open, stay open. Sometimes I don't feel like going to the theater because I think I know that actor so well. And then I go and I go, Oh my God, who knew? Yeah. So I have to remind myself that, you know, we have these preconceived judgments of especially actors, I feel like, and it's important to be open to like having that challenged. Yeah. So you said everything better than I did. I want to take your dialogue. I want to take your dialogue, but I'll, I'll agree with you. How's that? (laughs) I'll agree with you. No, Avi, I really think actors are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you. Thank and you. it's so cool hearing about Mayor. Just thinking about uh, award-worthy casts put together, Mayor is really an achievement. So congratulations. Well, it was way too much fun auditioning these actors. And I have to mm-hmm. do a shout out to Harrison Nesbitt, who read with all of them. And we were just in the room together for months and months and months and months and either laughing or crying with a lot of actors, because it's a big cast. So thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Ellen Lewis is the casting director behind such classic films as Hannah and Her Sisters, The Devil Wears Prada, A League of Their Own, Forrest Gump, and most Martin Scorsese pictures, Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed, The Wolf of Wall Street, and The Irishman. She won Emmy Awards for her work on Boardwalk Empire and Angels in America, and is currently nominated again for the fifth time for Netflix's limited series from Scott Frank, The Queen's Gambit. Here is Ellen Lewis. Oh my gosh, Ellen, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm so good, how are you? It's good, good to talk to you again. Thanks so much. Well, congratulations again on your Emmy nomination. <laughs> of course, as you know, we we want to inform our actor listeners about what's going on. And um, talking about casting is always so interesting because I do feel like uh, it can sometimes get almost repetitive talking about what you guys do, but it's still so important. It's still something that I think our listeners really want to know. So first of all, can I ask you, what is your job description? Like, how would you describe what it is you do? Um, I guess I would describe casting as a collaboration, a creative collaboration with a director and or writer to cast actors that will fill the world that they are envisioning. Um, The casting director is the first person after the writer who comes onto a project. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, before production designer or the costume designer, we're really the first ones who are talking to the director and or writer. About Sometimes even before the director, as you say, that's an important distinction. Um, I would say rarely for me before the director, but that's because oh. 
generally in working in film, there is a director, but yeah. obviously in TV. And so that's why I'm saying uh, that I'm mentioning the, the writer because the writer in television many times is yeah. kind of running that show. Yeah. But the TV projects that I have worked on with uh, two projects with Scott Frank, The Queen's Gambit and Godless, Scott wrote and directed both. So I was working prim- just directly with Scott. So cool. And and you've said too that um, in this ongoing conversation about TV versus film these days, a limited series like Godless or Queen's Gambit is basically a film from your standpoint? In a way it is. There, It's scheduling wise, it's it's actually far more complicated because of multiple episodes and there are different SAG rules for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is more complicated in terms of scheduling because they'll shoot, they can shoot multiple episodes in a day. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a little more complex. That is so interesting too. I hadn't thought to ask how much of, would you, would you say there's a ratio of creativity in your job versus almost protosorial figuring out logistics? I would say that I certainly like to think about the creative first and foremost, but mm-hmm. also casting is very much about details. Okay. Casting directors are working closely with a line producer and a first or a second assistant director. Gotcha. And we need to be in touch with those people and working closely with them. And that's a, a, it's a fantastic part of the project because when those people are good at their jobs, we're working very hand in hand with them, but it can be very challenging. And I read that you start each project acting as though you've never cast before. Is that true? I don't know if I'd say that like I've never cast before, but Ah. what I'm doing is that I'm trying to have an open mind to whatever the specific project is so that I'm open to ideas, creative ideas of actors, Hmm. working closely with agents, and keeping a creative open mind. So how did you get involved? I mean, what? how does one become involved in casting or how did you start on this path? I was working in production in Chicago. I had been in school at Columbia College in Chicago in their film program and started working in very early cable production. But I was also around a very vibrant theater uh, community in Chicago, the St. Nicholas Theater Company, David Mamet, Liam H. Macy, as well as the Steppenwolf Company and a lot of other, the organic theater. It was a great time. Bill Chicago's, I'm proud to be from Chicago and it's always been a very vibrant uh, theater town there. So I, met, I was introduced to somebody in Los Angeles, a man named Erwin Stoff, who was a manager, and I was working in production in Chicago, and he said to me out of the blue that he thought that I would be good in casting. I did not know what casting was. I didn't know what a casting director was. 
But I went back to Chicago and thought I would go to New York and look around for either production work or casting work. Mm. And then maybe go to Los Angeles. And I was introduced through David Mamet, who I grew up with, to Juliet Taylor. Mm-hmm. And was lucky enough to, two or three weeks later, get a call from her, pack my bag, and move to New York. Oh, wow. And I worked for Juliet as her assistant and then associate for eight and a half years. Did that involve um, location or extras casting, or was this all? No, it's principal casting. casting. Yes. Yeah, principal casting. At, at the extras casting director is, a, is another job that is incredibly challenging mm-hmm. and amazing. So I really respect people who do that job. I think it's very difficult. Um, but no, I was. But it's different. We do write all speaking roles or depending who the director is, non-speaking roles, if they feel that they're going to need the actor to, you know, give some kind of reaction. So I was just so lucky to get to train under Juliet for those many years, work with incredible directors on incredible films. And through Juliet and through Robert Greenhut, who produced the Woody Allen movies, I was introduced to Martin Scorsese and... While I was working for Juliet, I cast uh, the three films that Marty and Francis Ford Coppola and Woody Allen each made a film. And that was my first movie working with Martin Scorsese. And then I went on to cast Goodfellas about a year and a half later. And then, so that started a very long collaboration that yes. continues to this day. That continues. That's definitely going to be my question. It sounds like um, and as you're saying, collaborating closely with a director is such a crucial part of your job. So how does trust build to the point that you're just a recurring casting, that you're just working with this person for life, it seems? I think that it varies. I think directors are all different. And some directors change casting directors on every movie. Others, you know, there are many casting directors who have... Uh, very long relationships with directors. So I was just lucky <laughs> to meet Martin and connect with him at that point in my career. Yeah, and early in his career, for sure. Um, quick side question. Did you ever, have you ever used backstage to find actors? I'm putting you on the spot. You know, yes. Okay. But I also will say that this year, I was working with a not a, a company, a, a, a school for young filmmakers from various backgrounds. And they put ads in backstage uh-huh. and they chose who they wanted to see. I had spoken with them, Kate Sprantz and I had spoken with them prior to them doing that to talk about, you know, the art of casting. And then we looked at people that they had seen. They just showed us one or two people, all of whom they met through backstage. And we're doing this for no money. And the actors were fantastic. Hmm. It was very, very inspiring. So cool. Yeah. These are presumably these are early career actors through backstage. No, they were all ages. 
Uh-huh. But they, but the filmmakers were, you know, like eighteen to twenty-two. Wow. Yeah. What was this school? It's Real Works, based out of here in New York. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm going to look into this later. This is great. Um, that is super cool to hear. And going off of that, I always love asking too. Like, you've cast actors in many of their first projects. Do you ever have a sense in the whole process of I am witnessing the start of somebody's career. This is a star. Like, is there ever that exciting feeling in the audition room or or via self-tape? I will say that it's very rare that um, I feel that I've discovered someone because generally Mm. people are acting. So other than the possibility that I've done street casting, which I have done throughout the years, Mm. Generally, the actor will have already done something, and you never know what will shine the light Ah. um, on someone. I mean, Ah. Anya Taylor-Joy has done fantastic work prior to The Queen's Gambit. Hmm. And obviously, she's a young actress who's, you know, more at the beginning of her career and did come to people's attention through The Witch and you know, other projects that she had done. But it it is amazing that the Queen's Gambit did throw this light on her. But you never know when that's going to happen. And I don't ever cast thinking about that. Huh. I really just think about or try to think about who, the, who is right for a project and who the director connects to. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, it is the director's decision. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is it is always very, very exciting. Jack meeting actors and reading actors, and um, you know, if I didn't enjoy that process, then I would not enjoy casting. So I'm happy to say that I do. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, this is also, that's a perfect segue into asking about tone, world of a piece or world of a story. And I think, can we use the word texture? Um, talk to me about the Queen's Gambit. What would you say maybe on paper, what was like the brief or what was the world of the Queen's Gambit that you were in charge of casting? Well, we knew obviously that it was a period piece mm-hmm. and that so that you needed actors who didn't feel overly contemporary. Ah, okay. Um, and I, I also have to say there's just something I think very instinctual mm. to casting that's very hard to verbalize and put into words. Yeah. So I think that in casting... Beth Harmon in her younger years, Mm. Isla Johnston. I mean, we were clearly looking for young actresses who would look like Anya that you would believe could grow up into her. Yeah. So in doing that, we had a picture of Anya next to us as everybody was going through the breakdown. So it was very, very important. Hmm. Then casting the youngest Beth, Annabeth Kelly, there was something that 
captured, it felt like it was a Faulkner book, or it just, she really mm. seemed to have a very specific quality to her, besides the fact that she looked like Anya, that evoked who she would grow into. Wow. Even though she's very briefly in the film. But I think every, hopefully every one of those layers in the casting process add up to what feels real and authentic. Mm. Um, I think that Mariel Heller also had a wonderful period look and mm. Scott, uh, Scott knew Mariel as an actress. I did not. Yeah. And it was his idea, and I believe in the director's vision and the fact that he saw that so clearly that it was just made me, of course, confident enough to go with his vision. Mm -hmm. So cool. And, you know, then again, being so lucky that Kate Sprantz was at the Yale graduating class program. Okay. Where she saw Moses Ingram. Yes. Her first and, major project. Yes. And so as Kate looked into Moses, she already had an agent. And what a thrill to be able to cast Moses in her first uh, project. And get an Emmy nomination. And get an Emmy nomination, exactly. <laughs> but there are so many people. I mean, Bill Camp is one of the greatest actors on earth. So... Uh, how lucky were we that Bill wanted to be a part of this and is the soul of the whole piece. Uh, yes. And I think which goes to show to actors that as much as a casting director, I want to keep an open mind. I think actors need to keep a very open mind too mm. about the size of roles. Okay. And if a director or a piece of material speaks to them, no matter how small the role is, I think you should go for it. That's such a great point. I think actors do really need to hear that, That, because um, of course the phrase, there are no small parts is a common phrase. It's something we've heard a lot. It's something casting directors say a lot, but I think it's such a good point. Bill Camp in The Queen's Gambit is like the perfect example. He's barely in it. It's a very small role. But he is, and he resonates throughout the entire piece. As you so, say, he's the heart. Yeah. Yes. It is just instinctual which actors don't look they, like they live in the 60s and which do, right? It's yes. based on your gut. It is based on your gut. And it's just hard to be that specific yeah. about it. But you are, it, it's just, sometimes it's all hard to put into words exactly sure. what falls in to place and what makes someone right. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it speaks to something we've talked about on the on this podcast a lot is the idea of inspiration and sort of subconscious inspiration where like, because you are, I assume, watching a lot of different projects and is it safe to say you have an incredible long-term memory of remembering actors and remembering no. their faces and their projects. That's why I'm saying that I start every project if I've never done this oh, before. Because I don't necessarily <laughs> have a great memory for everyone that I've seen or projects that I watch. And sure. so it's just so important to keep an open mind uh, 
That's good to know. And, you know, we do, you know, we looking at backstage or actors access mm-hmm. also, as well as working through breakdown services and agencies mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, it's, it's visual as well as I'm always curious where people have studied and it doesn't need to be top schools, but I'm always startled when an actor will tell me that they didn't need to study at all, that they just, you know, and my response is who are the actors that you admire? Because I don't think many of them, just naturally i mean obviously there are people who are so gifted but nonetheless they studied at the actor's studio they studied at lee strasberg and because many times continue to do classes and that doesn't mean that i think that when i'll see too many classes it can also i get a little bit concerned oh um, and I also, I know that people do feel that they need to take subject classes in auditioning or how to act in front of the camera. I, I'm not sure about all of that. And I don't love the idea that actors are continually feeling the need to put out money. Yeah. To, um, but I do believe that it is very difficult to be an actor because you're faced with a lot of rejection. So I think it's wonderful to be in a community where you're maybe doing scenes with friends or doing plays with friends or doing readings with people that you know, because it's what fulfills you. Mm. So you're saying it's definitely, it should be craft craft focused first and foremost. I do believe that I do believe that for the most part, it's I think that studying is very beneficial. That's great, because I I think it's such a good point too. like listeners will get a lot out of hearing. You don't want to take no classes, but also not too many. And as long as it's just proving to you kind of assuring you, oh, this person has at least a little bit of familiarity with acting techniques with. Um, maybe it's one specific technique or maybe it's a, it's a variety, but it's not just audition classes <laughs> or that's exactly correct. Yes. Yes. As I say, I was always started once when an actor came in and said they had been taking a summer program at Juilliard, but they quit and they had found being on the subway to be more beneficial than that program. Hmm. That's so interesting. I ride the subway every I don't think I've learned how to act from being <laughs> on the subway, but yeah. good for you. <laughs> right. There are exceptions to every rule, but right. take your advice, I think is, yeah, wonderful. And so that brings me to, of course, audition room slash, we have to talk about the age of COVID. And of course, self-tapes were a thing before COVID, but what are the do's and don'ts? You know, I don't know if they're specific. Absolutely not. I think you should be familiar with the material, mm-hmm. which does not mean you need to memorize it. I never expect an actor to come in and have memorized the sides. Okay. And I always feel badly if somebody feels that pressure. The most important thing to me is that 
first off, that I can see and hear you. Mm -hmm. And that you maybe looked a little bit into what the content is. Many times we're not allowed to send scripts out. So a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, actors are working from a blind place. But I think, you know, sometimes things are based on a book or they're based on, uh, you know, obviously it's Gambit was a book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there is usually, you can look a little something up just to inform yourself as to the world, as we say. But I also don't think you need to overdo that. Okay. I don't believe in you needing to put a costume on or, you know, do anything extreme. Yeah. And, but at times when I'm doing a period piece, I will sometimes say to an actor, I think you shouldn't wear jeans and a t-shirt hmm. only because it might help you actually just to put a button-down shirt on sure. because this, you know, being too casual is not quite what fits in yeah. at this time period. But I don't think you have to overthink this. And it's so much less personal than you think it is. And there's no exact rule about if you do X, Y, and Z, you will get this. It's, it's just more abstract than that. Yeah. And so it, it's what makes it a very challenging career because you want to put your, you know, your all into the audition and do your very best. But hopefully we've made you feel good about having done that when you do the audition because that's the only thing that we kind of even have control over is thanking the actor and appreciating what you've done and come into the into our room, made yourself vulnerable, and then it's hard as it is to, to let it go. That's so, that was all brilliant. I think it's so important for actors to hear that you know how hard it is and you know how much rejection there is. The rejection is, it's a two-way transaction. The actors are being rejected but you're involved in that. And so you are conscious of how likely it is to book a gig. <laughs> right. right. Probably more conscious than actors. <laughs> no, it, it's very tough. It's tough. And I do think there's just misperceptions that casting directors, because of that relationship, it's seen as a little bit adversarial. And so I think it's always, it's always really good to hear that you just get it. You just know. Right. And as everybody said on our previous call, we want you to do well. We want to cast the part. And I also will say, um, I don't know if your listeners, you know, to watch the documentary Casting By. Oh, great. Yeah. Which is, I think, really informative for actors. It's particularly about Marion Dougherty and Lynn Stallmaster. And when it was being shown, which was about five years ago, six years ago, I had so many actors come in and say they had watched it and never had understood what this process was about until they watched Casting By. Cool. Okay. Because it's about the history of casting as well. So you get a it really is. strong understanding. Yes. That's a great tip because that's just one thing you watch that one time and then you're, you've done that research. 
Um, gosh, thank you so much, Ellen. This is also, I think actors are going to get so much out of hearing all of this. Um, can I ask you one last question? You don't have to answer, but we always ask, do you have a favorite performance or a performance you've seen recently that you think actors should study? If, you know, there are so many great performances. I will say that I hope uh, I'm safe enough. I went to see Annette, uh, oh. a new film uh, that opened the Cannes Film Festival and was completely blown away by the filmmaking as well as Adam Driver's amazing, mm. disturbing, incredible performance in the so movie. Cool. So I just only because I, I saw this on Saturday and it was just so great to be in a movie theater again and to see an incredibly creative piece of filmmaking and, of course, the great Marion Cotillard. Uh, it was just a fantastic experience to be in the theater and to see a tour de force performance from Adam Driver. Well, that's such a great answer. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I know uh, casting directors cannot pick favorites, so thank you. <laughs> um, any other parting words of wisdom before we sign off? Everybody be careful, stay safe. And it's just great to be talking and connecting. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ellen, and congratulations on this very deserving Emmy nomination. Thank you. Great to talk to you. And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna-Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Here are the casting calls for this week. There is a worldwide VO animated casting on this site. They're seeking submissions for a new animated sci-fi series. It's a pilot. Lots of different voices and different characteristics they're looking for. Again, it's worldwide. So if you're a voiceover artist, check that one out. There is a casting for Curology, which is um, a skincare line, casting for diverse skin types, colors, and unique characteristics with real people for a photo shoot for the homepage. They're going to do a $5,000 buyout for this project, and you'll have to use the products they have for a 30-day trial and track your progress. Sounds like a really fun giveaway and a good payday. And if you're a dancer based in LA, the LA Clippers are having new Hoop Troopers, an open call for their 2021-2022 NBA season, looking for hype people who can energize a crowd of 20,000 people. Details for that open call are on the site. We have hundreds of casting calls for every type of actor in every region on the site. So head over to backstage.com to check those listings out and more. That's all for me for this week. It's been my pleasure being your casting insider. Break a leg in your upcoming auditions and have a beautiful week. is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Grouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, 
You can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.